Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast from Houston, Texas. We hope you enjoy our English pastor, John Ryan Cantu's Sunday morning message. We're going to get into the Word this morning. Uh, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in Haggai today. And I want you to tell the person next to you to listen up. Because <clears throat> there's a word from God this morning. And whenever God speaks, we got to listen. We got to be quiet. We got to put the phones away, unless you got your Bibles, unless you're taking notes. But when God is speaking, we need to listen up. Amen? And that's what's going to happen this morning. I believe that God has a, um, a very timely word Uh, for this congregation. And so we're in Haggai, the first chapter of Haggai, verses 1 through 11. And when you have it, give me a, give me a good amen, man. Just to let me know that you're awake. You're good. All right, good. Okay, we have it up here. It says this, in the second year of Darius the king, in the sixth month, on the first day of the month, the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai to the prophets of Zerubbabel, the son of Shiltel, governor of Judah, and to Joshua, the son of Jehozadak, the high priest. Verse 2 says, this is the Lord speaking. Thus says the Lord of hosts, these people say that the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. Then the word of the Lord came by the hand of Haggai, the prophet. Is it time for you yourselves to dwell in your paneled houses while this house lies in ruins? Someone say, hmm. Now, therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. You have sown much and have harvested little. You eat, but you never have enough. You drink, but you never have your fill. You clothe yourselves, but no one is warm. And he who earns wages does not put them into a bag with holes. Verse 7, thus says the Lord of hosts, consider your ways. Go up to the hills and bring the wood and build the house that I may take pleasure in it, that I may be glorified, says the Lord. You looked for much, and behold, it came to little, and when you brought it home, I blew it away. Why, declares the Lord of hosts, because of my house that lies in ruins, while each of your busy, while each of you busies himself with his own house. Therefore, the heavens above you have withheld the dew, and the earth has withheld its produce, and I have called for a drought on the land and the hills and on the grain and the new wine and the oil and on the ground that brings forth on man and on beasts and all their labors. Amen. Someone say amen to that. That's harsh. Why don't we pray before we get started? Father God, I pray, Lord, that, that you pour out your word on this on this congregation here this morning, Father God, that anyone who hears, my God, may not just hear, but listen, Father God, that our, our hearts may be tuned to what your Holy Spirit is trying to tell us. In Jesus' name, my God, we receive this word. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. What a, what a good and harsh word. It's a long one, too. Anytime I'm reading out loud for a long period of time, I stumble over my words. You probably noticed that. Um, but I've entitled today's message, Hardly working, hardly working. That's a phrase that, that Hispanics know nothing about, right? Because uh, we, don't, we don't hardly work, we, we work hard, right? No, I guess not. <laughs> I don't know, I've met some pretty lazy Hispanics, man. Um, and and it's, not, it's, not that we're, it's not that we're lazy people. I think it's that you know, we're just lazy at, at doing certain things. It's pretty much everyone. It's not that we're lazy natured. It's just that we're lazy at certain things. I was analyzing myself this week, thinking about if, if there are any things in particular that I hardly work at, 
Um, you know, I'm, I'm the type of person that likes to, I like to excel at things that I enjoy doing. So if I'm, if I'm passionate about something, I, I, I want to excel at it. I want to, I want to be the best that I can be. So I'll exhaust, you know, all my energy and time learning a particular subject matter or, or task so that I can better myself. Um, but that's only on the things that I care about. On the other hand, if I don't care about something very much, I won't even try to be good at it or even decent at it. And there's a lot of things that I don't really care to be good at. So I'm not good at a lot of things. Um, one example um, was when I used to, uh, my cousin's here, he'll, he'll, he'll testify to this. When I used to work with my cousin in painting and, and, and construction, I, I wasn't good at it. And I didn't, I didn't particularly like it. Um, and so I just, I was never good. And I would be in front of, you know, my, my cousins and, and, you know, my Theo and all these, the other workers. And I would always feel inferior. I would feel like I'm the guy that didn't know anything. I'm incompetent. And I'm the guy, I'm the, I'm like the last resort to, to, you know, for the guy that they put on the job, like anyone else, but, but Ryan. Right. And I'll admit I was kind of, I was kind of lazy when it came to that type of work. Like I would take a lot of restroom breaks, like uh, the sizes, lunch breaks. And I, you know, if I, if I screwed up at work and I did something, I, I'd go home and I wouldn't try to better myself. I wouldn't try to go on YouTube and fix my mistake or think about what I did and you know, how I can make it better. I would just be like, Oh, Oh, well, tomorrow's, tomorrow's a new day. Right. Um, and, and so that's, that's kind of how I was because I didn't really, I didn't love what I was, what I was doing. And I think most people are like that. Maybe not everyone. You've got some people that are just want to be the best at everything, right? Um, they're, they're kind of trivial, uh, competitive at trivial things. Um, I don't care to be anymore. I want to be the best that, that I, I can be at what I want to do because that's what matters most to me. I wasn't always this way. I, was, I, was, I used to be the guy who wanted to be the best at everything that I did. Everything. Even if I didn't care about it. I wanted to be the best and my arch nemesis was, had always been Danny, uh, because Danny's a pretty competitive guy too. If you know him, um, when it came to sports, I'll admit Danny was always a little naturally better at at sports. That's all I'm going to give you. That's it. Uh, and 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 so you know we would we would compete at like everything from from basketball to like who could throw the rock the furthest. I mean, just stupid stuff, you know. And if you know Danny, you know Danny likes to get under your skin. He likes to pick at you. We're, we're praying and fasting for you, brother, this season. We're believing 2019 is your year of freedom. Uh, but even to this day, man, he'll, he'll try to get under my skin. He'll, he'll try to, like, compete with me at, at things. And now I'm of a different mindset. I'm like, dude, I don't, I don't care if you can wrap presents faster than I can. It's not, okay, yeah, you, you can take that. You, you can take the crown if you want. Um, and, and that's just, you know, I, it's probably my way of justifying Danny being better at me at wrapping presents. But... I have since tried not to excel at everything, just on the things that I want to excel at. But as I was thinking about this, I realized that there's kind of a danger there. And I realized this only after reading this passage, because if we're only working at the things that matter most to us, we're, we're only ever hardly working at the things that don't matter to us. And the things that might matter more to other people and, and the things that matter more to God will only ever hardly work at those things because we don't want to focus on bettering ourselves even with what God wants us to be better at. This week I posted to Facebook um, some suggested reading 
Uh, I, I want to I bump up my reading game this, this year. I want to I read a little bit more uh, books, 25 books. That's my goal. Um, and so I went to Facebook and I asked for some recommendations and I got a bunch of suggestions, you know, be, people telling me, Hey, ch- check out this author, check out this, uh, this book. This is a good one. Got a bunch of suggestions. And I was just waiting all day for someone to say the Bible. I was just waiting for it. I was wait. I got a lot of Christian friends on Facebook. I was just waiting for someone to like scold me. Like, why are you looking at other, other books? The Bible's all you need. And sure enough, it came at the end of the day. I think it was, it was in Spanish. I think it was one of my dad's cousins. She said, the Bible is all you need. That is your ultimate source of wisdom and, 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 and knowledge and authority. And, um, I, and I, I kind of smiled when I saw it. I was like, there it is. There it is. It's right there. I knew someone would let me down. And I, I gave it a like because it was in Spanish. And I, I almost started typing out like, hermana, listen. Uh, I, I, but I didn't, I didn't. I just left it at that. But if you, if you think about it, She's kind of, she, she kind of has a point because I could spend all my time concerning myself with the things that I want, the things that I deem are important, but at the same time, neglect the things that God sees as a vital part of my being, of my spirituality. And I've known, I've known people, I'm sure you've known people, I've known Christians who excel at so many things, man. They're sharp, they're smart, they're creative, they're talented, but but like, and they're always so fired up because they're trying to become the better version of themselves, which is great. I'm all for that. But their spirit is hardly working. How many of our spirits are hardly working this morning? I believe that this message is for us today because we're still at the outset of the new year. We're still, you know, making adjustments to ourselves and, and our habits and our ambitions, all of which is good. You know, you don't want to like neglect yourself. You got to see some value in yourself. God created you. He sees value in yourself. You want to be better for the kingdom of God and for yourself, but don't neglect your spirit. So I want to kind of give you a little bit of background on what's going on here in this passage. The Jews had been back in their country now for, for nearly 20 years. If you remember, they were, they were in captivity. They were in Babylon, and the Persians took over the Babylonians. And King Cyrus decrees that, that some of the Jews can go back to Jerusalem to begin rebuilding the temple of the Lord. So they go back, and they return, and they're full of zeal, so passionate, ready to start working. They're ready for this new season, and they begin working. And then sometime down the timeline... They stop out of nowhere. It's like they hit March. You know, March is the, the month where people say that, that everyone is dropping New Year's resolutions. And verse 2 says, thus says the Lord of hosts. These people say that the time has not yet come to rebuild the house of the Lord. They're saying it's not time. Maybe later. Now's not the time. Have you ever said that before? Now's not the time. I want you to think about this for a minute because they, the Jews, they go back to Jerusalem for the sole purpose of, of rebuilding that temple. And they begin, they start doing it, and then they stop because they're like, ah, oh, it's not the time. And I, I think, you know, if we read through the scriptures, we'll find that there were some obstacles um, in front of them. There was some political hoops that they kind of had to get around. It didn't make it very easy. And so because of this, they, they tell themselves, man, th- th- this isn't the time, guys. Let's just let's put a plug on it for, for a few months, a few years, and, and we'll revisit it. And it makes you wonder, man. It made me wonder, what am I putting off in this season in my life? Because I'm declaring to myself, this isn't the time. 
It's not the time. I want to do it, but this is not a good time. I think we get confused a lot of times because we get a word from God. God speaks to you. And he tells you where, where you're going. He tells you what, what, what he wants you to do. He delivers a promise to you. And you're so fired up when you get that word. You start working on it. And then a little down, uh, a little down the road, you start getting these obstacles in front of you. And you're like, wait, hold on, God. I, I thought you gave me the green light. I, I, I thought you were telling me this is, this is my time. It's time to make things happen. But clearly I was mistaken. Clearly that wasn't your word because look at what's in front of me. This can't be the time. I'm about to have a baby. I got to wait two, three years because I can't do anything with the, with the little one. I've, I've got this other really good paying job, God, that I just got a promotion. And they pay really well. Let's be honest. They, they pay a little better than what you're probably going to offer me at first. It's not the time right now. Maybe a little bit later. And we're telling ourselves all the time, all the time, now's not the time. And we convince ourselves We convince ourselves that if God isn't opening the door for us, I want you to hear this. We convince ourselves that if God isn't opening the door for us himself, it's clearly not his will. I don't know if you heard that. Maybe maybe you've been you've been of the mindset that God has to open the door so that you can walk through it. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna break some mindsets this morning, man. We Christians, man, we like to over spiritualize a lot of things. I was talking to my dad about this, this, this week in his office and my mom, we had a, we had a deep conversation. We had a good conversation and we were talking, we're talking about, there's so many things that the church does that isn't even biblical. It's just churchy. It's just, you know, tradition, religion type of stuff. And it's a good conversation. I won't get too much into it, but, but because of that, we often say a lot of things that isn't even really rooted in the scripture. We're just, uh, we're accustomed to hearing certain things. Like, for example, uh, we, we hear this all the time. If God said it was going to happen, he's going to make a way for it to happen. Oh, man, that gets, that gets people crunk, man. That, that gets hallelujahs everywhere, right? People believe that. That's so powerful. But that's not always true. We love, listen, we love to apply the parting of the Red Sea to our situations. God, you did it for Moses. You can do it for me. You did it for Moses when he was standing there and, and there was no place for him to go. You, you parted the Red Sea. But we fail to realize that Moses, that was a very specific situation for a very specific people, for a very specific purpose. You are your own person with your own calling, with your own purpose, with your own mode of travel. See, sometimes God isn't going to part anything for you. You're going to have to swim sometimes. You're going to have to make it happen on your own. You're going to have to look around and and try to catch a a boat or a plane. You're going to have to make your own way. See, that was the difference between Moses' generation and Joshua's generation. I hope you're listening, man. This is awesome stuff when God was revealing this stuff to me. Moses' generation, they were too afraid to enter the promised land because they were still using the same model of the Red Sea. They were like, God... um, it, I mean, we were there when you parted the Red Sea. You made a way where there was no way. And I'm looking at these giants over here in the land that you promised to us, but we're not going to be able to defeat them. So unless you smite them supernaturally, we're not going to go. So what is that? What ends up happening? They, they, they wind up wandering in the desert for 40 years. Joshua's generation comes by. The, the, the old generation, they, they die out, the Bible says. See, sometimes certain mindsets, you just need to let them die. Just, just abandon them all together. 
Because Joshua's generation comes forth and they're like, okay, look, we're, we're of a new mindset now because we know that God promised this land to us and he didn't. He's not going to make a way supernaturally. He's, he's leaving that opportunity to us. So we're going to go down and we're going to take what belongs to us. Yes. You ain't getting that. Mm. We got to stop with the excuses, man. We're always making excuses. Now is not the time. Oh, no. Mm-mm. Not with that guy there. Oh, no. Not with this thing. Not with this condition. Oh, no. I need the education first. Oh, no. I'm not trained enough. Oh, no. Once I do this, once I do steps one through five. Oh, no. Now is not the time. We got to stop with the excuses, man. The time is now to begin working on what God has called you to. It's not like we live super long lives where we have all this time to waste. You know, I always, I kind of analyze myself sometimes, you know, because I'm, I'm a pastor, but I'm also trying, to, you know, my, my, my head is also in trying to find some funding for this nonprofit, trying to, to make, make that happen. I'm also trying to, you know, build a little bit of a business for, for my family, for my, for my future generation of, of, of children. And sometimes I, 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 I have conversation with myself, like deep conversations in the car. I'm like, Ryan, maybe you need to stop. Maybe you just need to focus 100% on, on one thing. Maybe, maybe this can wait. Maybe that can wait. But then I start thinking, who am I to say anything can wait? Because I don't know if I've got tomorrow. I know that I have fuel in me today. And if you've got fuel in you today, especially God-given fuel, just figure it out. Make a way when it seems impossible. If God gave you a word, if God has given you a vision, don't delay it because this is a different time. God gave it to you so that you can start making your way towards it. You ain't getting that. Now's not the time, they say. It's too hard. It's too rough out there. We all have our own excuses. Now, don't, under- don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that there aren't different seasons that God puts us in. Definitely. But if you know what your calling is today, your purpose is today, your promise, don't delay in trying to obtain it. The time is now to be working, not to be hardly working. I wonder what, I wonder what got the Jews to the point of saying, Man, now's not the time. Because they, they started building the temple and they were so passionate about it. Like, like we all are when we start something. You were so passionate about it. Every, everyone's fired up. I remember, man, every time like we, we have a conversation with the guys. I remember a couple years ago, we were going we to go camping, right? And we were just with the guys talking. And we were, we were hyping ourselves up. We're going to go camping. It's going to be a big camping trip. And there was like, it got to the point by the end of the night, there was like 30 people going. And then the day of, it was like me, Bobby, and Carlos that went camping. And I think Danny. That was it. And so so we, 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 we do that a lot. We start something and we're so passionate. And then... That's it. We get to a point of complacency. We get to a point where we just kind of don't, don't care to push through. And, you know, the Jews, they, they're facing some political obstacles, you know, and, and, and that probably definitely paused the construction for a little bit. But I'm wondering, why, did not, why didn't anyone care enough to push through those obstacles? Why didn't anyone speak up? Or stand up. Or take a lead. Take initiative. They became complacent with what their situation was and where they were. 
They just accept it, man. This, this isn't the time. The time is going to come later. Let me tell you something about complacency, church. Complacency leads to neglect, uh, neg- negligence. There's a lot of words that I was trying to say in there. Sorry. Let me say it again. Complacency leads to negligence. Because when you get complacent, you get comfortable. All right? You get comfortable. And, and comfort doesn't like to be disturbed. Have you ever tried waking someone up from a nap? Don't you ever do that to Layla, man. That'll be the last day you live. It's terrible. And so because comfort doesn't like to be disturbed, you never push forward with your purpose. What is it in your spiritual life that you've allowed to get complacent? I can't answer that for you. But what, what have you allowed to get to that point of complacency, which might even lead to negligence? What have you allowed in your spiritual life to get into a comfort zone that you're not even thinking about disturbing? Oh, prayer Saturday, once a month on a Saturday morning at 7 a.m.? Oh, I like to sleep. You want, me to, you want me to give up my brunch, my Sunday brunch at 11? That's when I meet with the girls. With the guys, whatever, whatever you're doing. I don't want to disturb my comfort zone. You want me to pray every morning? I mean, I pray when I get my food, you know? And we, we get to a point where we're so comfortable in our spirit, spiritual life that we don't like to take things to the next level. But the better question is, how many things in your life are elevating while your relationship with God has been stagnant forever? See, the problem wasn't with the Jews. The problem wasn't them taking care of themselves. That's fine. Take care of yourselves. The problem was that as they were taking care of themselves, they neglected the temple of the Lord. They allowed it to lie in ruins while they were cleaning up their own houses every day. And so God speaks through the prophet, hey guy, and it kind of sounds a little sarcastic, like he's trying to call them out, like he's trying to get them to realize what they're doing is wrong and selfish. Verse four says, is it time for you yourselves? Because you said it wasn't time to build my house. So is it time for yourselves to be building paneled houses while my house lies in ruins? In other words, how... How is it time for you, but it's not time for me, your creator? You wouldn't neglect your children. I mean, some people might, but I think in general, you know, we're we're pretty good parents. We don't neglect our children. I was thinking the other day, man, my wife, she's an incredible mom. Um, And I'm sure all y'all women are pretty incredible moms too. But when I see my wife as a mother in action, I think to myself, man, what, what a woman. Like, it it makes me love her more. It really does. Now, I don't want to say that she's a better mom than I am dad, you know? It's my competitive nature coming out. But she's an awesome awesome mom, and she excels at the things that I don't excel at as as a father. For example, um, when it's time to leave the house, I get ready. I I take a shower. I get dressed. uh, Comb my hair, right? It takes a while. Um, And I, I... I'm ready to go. I can be ready in 10 minutes. But Melissa, you know, sometimes I offer to get Layla ready and, um, you know, I, I, I do it sometimes. But most part, you know, Melissa's handling it. So Melissa will, you know, she'll get herself ready. So it's like an hour and a half. Um, and then she gets Layla ready. And, and she, she takes on that responsibility as if it's one event, not two separate events. Any other moms like that? Men? Yeah. yeah? Or, or, or do you guys do that? Like as, as fathers, 
Because I need to step on my father game if that's true. All right? Like, it, 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 you say it's their job? Okay. No, but they do. They do. I mean, I, I see Melissa do it, and I'm, I think to myself, man, how do, you, how do you do it? Because when Melissa does ask for the favor, can you get Layla ready? I treat it like two separate events. Oh, I'm not going to have time for anything. I don't know how I'm going to do this, babe. Like, you're asking way too much of me. Like, it's either I look fly tonight or Layla, you know, Layla looks fly. Um, <laughs> but for Melissa, it's, all, it's always, like, included in her, her time. Like, it's not even an option that she take care of herself and not take care of, of our daughter. Now, if neither of us took on that responsibility and we just focused on ourselves, well, we might look good, but you'll see Layla's hair for what it really is. It's a mess. So it's really a question of significance. How important is it for us to take care of our daughters? Pretty important. That's the equivalent of the Jews asking, how important is it that we take care of God's temple? Because we're over here and, and we're thriving and we're, take care, we're taking care of ourselves and we're over here living our best life while the temple of God lies in ruins. One must be more important than the other. And you can see it in your actions. I think we can take a look at ourselves, our own lives, and our own actions, and, and I, we can see where we place our energy, and soon we'll discover what areas of our lives are hardly working. Am I living a life that's too much about me and not enough about what God wants for me? Am I, am I trying to build my house and trying to build my kingdom when I, I've neglected God's kingdom all this time? What is it? The text says that as these Jews, as they were concerning themselves with, you know, fulfilling their own desires and and pleasures and neglecting God's, the Bible says that they didn't see any fruit for their harvest. They didn't see any fruit. Kind of like God put a cap on their prosperity. Like he cut them off. Government shut down. Whole thing. Until they began rebuilding the temple. See, sometimes, listen up. Sometimes God sees so much purpose in one person that when he sees that they're taking it somewhere else and they're neglecting their purpose, God puts a limit on what he's going to allow them to do. We see the same thing in the prophet Jonah. Remember Jonah? He had a very, he had an assignment. He had a very specific mission and then he ran away from it and God made it nearly impossible for him to do anything else. We see it in Lot's wife. When, when she had the opportunity to escape destruction and, and, and move forward to, to prosperity and meaning and purpose, she looks away. She turns around and what she's leaving behind, and she doesn't even leave with her life. Could it be that we struggle so many things? I mean, we're, we're trying to make things happen for ourselves so many times. We're trying to be successful. We're trying to build our, our network of people. We're trying to build wealth. We're trying to, you know, we're trying to influence people. Could it be that we struggle at so many things because what we're doing isn't compatible with who we are? Listen, stay with me for a second. I'm going somewhere. See, who you are who we are is defined by our salvation as Christians, right? I'm a child of God. I belong to God. Romans six eighteen says that you have been free from sin and now you are a slave to righteousness. So I'm a slave of God as a Christian. That's my identity. I don't know if anyone else shares that identity, but that is my identity. So I'll say it again. Could it be that we struggle sometimes because what we're doing is not compatible 
with who we are. In other words, in other words, if who I am is a reflection of God, then what I'm doing should reflect God. And if what I'm doing isn't compatible with who I am, well, maybe that's why I don't see a harvest. God says in verse 11, I called for a drought. Someone say drought. Doesn't it feel sometimes like we're in a drought? He says, man, I have called for a drought on the land and on the work of the men because you refuse to do what reflects who you are. You can no longer just worry about yourself anymore. You have a new master. You have a new belonging. You have a God who desires to be involved in your affairs. It's not just about you anymore. If you're going to take, if you're going to claim the identity of my child, you need to act like it. And stop neglecting my house. Because my house is also your house. You would try to tell your dad or your mom, get out of my room. (laughs) You can't make me clean my room. They're like, it's not your room. It's my house. Get out of my house. (laughs) I told you the story. I, I, I I ran away once, right? I packed some batteries, a Sprite, a packet of cheese. I was gone. I was gone. I tell my dad, I'm, I'm leaving. And I was, ex- I was expecting him to be so loving, you know, like, I don't want you to leave. He opens the door for me. I'm, Get out of here. I've been doing the same thing to Layla, man. She, she just started saying, I'm going to leave. She is something else, man. Pray for your pastor, bro. But I tell her the same thing. Fine, leave, leave. She would tell me, get out of, get out of my room. She close the door sometime. I'm like, get out of my house. <laughs> it's, if, if we're going to claim the identity of a child of God, we, we have to realize that it's not, it's not just my kingdom anymore. We're here representing God's kingdom. And so if we're not taking care of God's kingdom, we're not really taking care of ourselves. And we're not, we're not stepping into the identity that we're claiming. I'm claiming to be a child of God. I'm claiming to belong to you. But I'm not taking care of any business that reflects my identity. It's not just about you anymore. And until we realize that the drought is all that we're going to have. There is, there is more for those who work. Amen? Can we? I mean, I th- that's true with, with anything. Like, if you work... If you put in some, some time, you're going to see a harvest eventually. Yeah. And the more we input for God and for the kingdom of God, the more we're going to see blessings, man. And this is, this is not like a prosperity message. This is, this is just truth, man. When we work and when we toil for God, we don't do it in vain. When we work on our spirit, when we work on our godly character, when we work on our anointing, there is more. There is more and there is a blessing waiting for us. There is a harvest. I'm almost done. I just want to take you to the very last chapter of Haggai, which is just the next chapter. Chapter 2. Verses 18 and 19. This is after the Jews. They feel the conviction. They heeded the word of God. They got got that word. They're like, okay, let's let's get our act together. And they begin working on the temple again. And it says this. Consider from this day onward, from the 24th day of the ninth month, since the day that the foundation of the Lord, uh, Lord's temple was laid, consider 
is the seed yet in the barn? Indeed, the vine, the fig tree, the pomegranate, the olive tree, and have yielded nothing. So in other words, all this time, you've planted, you've sown, but you haven't reaped anything. But look at that last, that last part of 19. But from this day on, I will bless you. From this day on, I will bless you because now you're taking care of my, my house. Now you're, 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 you're putting significance on what needs to be, where it needs to be placed. Church, don't, don't live a life where what you do isn't living up to who you are. Don't do that. There is, there is a mighty, there is, man, there is so much potential. And I don't really like that word because potential means unreached. But there is so much that we haven't yet reached for because we've gotten complacent. And God is saying, man, there is so much more. Just let me show you. Just take, just take care of my business. Take care of my house. Don't neglect your identity because you're not living in your identity, church. I'm going to ask you to stand this morning. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Right there where you're at, I'm going to ask that you just bow your heads this morning. And just right, right now, just in your own words, just begin talking to God. Search in your spirit. I love that verse. That verse in Psalm 139. says, search me, O God, and know my heart, and try me and know my thoughts, and see if there be any grievous way in me, and lead me into the everlasting. God, search our hearts this morning. Search us, my God, so we... We may, we may see the light, my God, shining on what, what we need to, to put more attention into, Father God. What we've neglected, Father God. The things of your kingdom, your will, Father God, for our lives, our, our promises, our purposes, Father God, that you have set before us, Father. I pray that we stop the excuses this morning, Father God, and we begin making strides. Thanks for tuning in to Primera Iglesia's weekly podcast. Join Pastor John Ryan Cantu every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For directions or more information, visit us at PrimeraIglesia.org. We'll see you next time and hope you have a blessed week.